0: The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be. Fine gold, sweeter also than honey than the, honeycomb.
1: the Believe and Follow podcast episode 12. Welcome. God has always structured his relationship with mankind like this. God makes promises and gives instructions. Our part is to believe His promises and follow His instructions. My primary objective with this podcast is to explore this vital principle with the goal of helping all of us toward a closer walk with God. Your input, whether it's questions, comments, or corrections, is welcome you can email me at james at believeandfollow.org. I've had a number of conversations in recent weeks with members, both past and present, of the local church that I left in 2015. A number of people have said to me that they do not understand why I left or exactly what I'm talking about. What I hope to do in this week's podcast is shed some light on those two questions. My plan is to focus on scripture. I will not mention any names so people who know nothing of this can take it as a Bible lesson. It will be clear to those who are familiar with these events who I am talking about. My plan is to help us all walk more closely with God. My goal is not to embarrass or criticize anyone, but if any of us see ourselves as having sinned in any of this, we can take the proper steps to repent and avoid eternal judgment. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's James chapter 5 verses 19 and 20. And remember, the nice thing about a podcast is you can pause it and check the scripture references to make sure I am using them properly. If not, let me know. I'm here to be corrected. Better now then on the Day of Judgment, you can email me at james at believe and follow dot org. Those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast will find some of what I will be saying here familiar. In fact, past episodes will give you additional scriptural backup to the principles I will be discussing this week. For example, you might find episodes 6 and 7 helpful if you need additional clarification from Scripture. Let's step through chronologically some of the events that led up to my departure and apply the relevant Scripture. I began worshiping with this particular local church in 2006. I had encountered in the past various departures from the faith in other local churches, but I had no plans to confront any of these issues at that time. My plan was to keep an open mind and do my best to be a productive disciple of Jesus Christ. I did notice some of these errors being taught, but I still had no plans to deal with them. In other words, I did not come with any agenda. But as time went on and at various times, a number of members approached me with a particular question concerning the monthly business meetings. These meetings were often called men's meetings and women were not permitted to attend. I would explain that this practice comes not from scripture but from man and I would mention to the preacher and the church leadership (amusing air quotes here, this church did not have elders) that the issue had been raised in conversation. I was always told it was best not to make any changes for various reasons at various times over the years. No attempt was made to justify the practice from Scripture. I agreed purely for the sake of unity. During those years, the church leadership was in violation of the instruction we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. By brushing aside my concerns and the concerns of all those members who express themselves to me, we were not working toward being united in the same mind and judgment. This is very clear. In my attempt to balance the instruction to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 verse 3, with be united in the same mind and judgment, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, I believe now in hindsight I sinned by going along with the preacher's error. I have prayed for forgiveness for this. But in December 2013, the issue was once again raised to me by yet another member of the church, and I decided for myself that I was no longer comfortable with informing people that we were holding to this particular departure from the faith. I did my best to have my concerns addressed, but in 2014 the issue came to a head. In February 2014, the preacher finally clearly stated in a sermon that there is nothing in Scripture that indicates that women should be excluded from attending these meetings. And so I breathed a sigh of relief because up to this time, one of the problems I was facing is that some in the church erroneously believed Scripture taught women are not permitted to attend these meetings. This was one of the reasons the preacher cited to indicate it was best not to confront the issue. This also contributed to my uncertainty concerning what the preacher really believed the scripture said. But now that things were clearly stated, I assumed we would make every effort to bring our practices in line with scripture. I was unpleasantly surprised and somewhat blindsided when, at the next men's meeting, The preacher indicated that it was best to continue to hold to the tradition from man, and the rest of the men agreed, despite my protest. This left no doubt in my mind that we were in violation of the instruction Jesus gave in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Specially note verses 8 and 9. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. We were letting go of the instruction to keep the unity of the Spirit and be united in the same mind and judgment in order to hold to the tradition of men. This is not sort of like what Jesus is talking about in Mark 7. This is exactly what Jesus is strongly commanding against doing. I continued through the remainder of 2014 to try and convince the church to correct this error by attempting to study the Bible together with any church members I could get to participate At this time there was also a young preacher that had been added to the church and to his credit he did attempt to participate in some of my efforts. But then I decided in December 2014 it was time to address the entire church. I wrote to the two preachers since they took care of scheduling who would speak between the two of them. They ignored me for a time But when I asked again, they indicated at a men's meeting early in 2015 that they were not in favor of permitting me to speak. And the men went along with their recommendation. Now, Scripture does not require me to get the preacher's permission to speak. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 30 indicates that if anyone wants to speak, let the first be silent. I was attempting to do things in an orderly way and the preachers were overstepping their authority by preventing me from putting this matter before the church so we could all weigh the issue together. But then the young preacher decided for himself to put the matter before the church, and at a congregational meeting in March of 2015, he made a lengthy presentation indicating that the church should withdraw from me. This was despite a number of members attempts to dissuade him from doing this. His approach to this withdrawal was completely unscriptural and the charges he made were by and large entirely false. The older preacher got up and said that he could not work this way and one of us had to go. Some in the congregation took this as I had to go because I went against the preacher. Another tradition from men, and entirely unscriptural approach to division. It was no surprise that the congregation was divided, and so there was a follow-up meeting of the men to decide what to do. The preachers had three demands. If I agreed to comply with the three demands, they would drop the withdrawal. Demand number one was that I completely recant what I had been saying Scripture commands us to do concerning this matter. My response was that this was putting the cart before the horse, as no orderly effort had been made to correct me according to the Scripture. Therefore, I could not comply to this demand because I believed then and still believe that I am correct according to Scripture." I am always open to correction and eager to set things right with the entire church if I am proved wrong scripturally. And my thinking was, by the way, this should have been step one. When division occurs in the church, step one should be let's open our Bibles and study. Then, as we come to the same mind concerning what scripture teaches us on a topic, we are now able to come to the same judgment. Take a look at Acts 15 for a scriptural example. This was not the approach taken in this matter. Now back to the men's meeting. The other two demands had to do with the methods I employed to address this matter. They felt I was too confrontational. They objected to my choice of words and mentioning that this practice was common in some other churches. I had no problem with their criticism of my methods. Concluding my methods left something to be desired was perfectly reasonable, considering that I had failed my objective. So I agreed to go before the church and state my acceptance of demands 2 and 3, but I would not recant my understanding of Scripture. The rest of the men agreed that they would make some efforts to explore what Scripture teaches with an eye on reforming our practices. This was promised to begin at the very next men's meeting. This was acceptable to everyone there, and so we had a compromise, and the withdrawal action was dropped. We all felt good at the end of the meeting. The very next Sunday I did my part and went before the congregation and and repented of the methods I had used in the past and promised to use different methods in the future. This promise I have kept. I made it clear that I was not recanting the substance of what I was saying or my understanding of Scripture on this topic. This was a very important distinction that I thought all that had participated in the compromise shared, and I made sure I expressed it clearly to the congregation. But then, the older preacher published in his next report to his supporters, this report went out to the members of many churches, that I had completely repented and made no mention of the fact that I did not recant on the scripture. This left a false impression with his readers that the problem had been completely solved. When I brought this to the attention of the older preacher, that this amounted to a lie, he did not dispute my conclusion, but also did not repent of this sin. He did not print a retraction or go before the church and correct his statements. So he failed to, to obey the command we find in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10. through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This, combined with the lack of follow-through on the things the other men agreed to do, caused me to come to the conclusion that I could not in all good conscience support the older preacher's work any longer, or the error that was continuing to be taught in that church, not only in the pulpit but also by the actions of the preachers and those who were being looked at as leaders." For the sake of brevity, I have omitted a number of details from this narrative. So if anyone who was a witness to these events believes that I have left out something important, bring it to my attention and I will include it. And of course, if anyone believes I need to be corrected, let me know. I'm here to be corrected. In fact, I have explained this all to some who continue in that local church and some have indicated that they would discuss this all with the older preacher. I tell them that after they do, if they feel anything that I've said is incorrect, please come back to me and correct me. So far, nobody has come back and corrected me, but they continue to worship in that church and support this older preacher in his work. Some have said they are unable to come to a conclusion after hearing both sides. My first reaction to this is why? Many of these individuals have been attending at least two Bible studies a week their entire adult life. If this were a university, you'd be demanding your money back. Demand or initiate relevant study so that you will be equipped to make right judgments when these situations come up. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Another element Contributing to some being unable to come to a conclusion is the older preacher will not agree to a face-to-face discussion about these issues with me, along with anyone who wishes to understand the truth. Such a discussion could be helpful. A corollary to this is that there are some in that local church who feel that I am not welcome in their assemblies until I get right with their preacher. And their preacher will not discuss this matter with me or communicate with clarity and precision where my error is. So we have a stalemate. Let me make one final scriptural point. Now it's been two years since these events transpired, but even today this all continues to be a huge stumbling block to so many, including me, by the way. A number have left that local church and are worshipping elsewhere. And there is at least one individual that I know of who has decided to leave New York City, at least in part because of these events. Romans chapter 14 verse 13 says, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Add this to the list of scriptures that continue to be violated. The root cause of this stumbling block is holding to traditions of men and as a result letting go of the command of God. For much of this timeline there was a failure to distinguish between the things from God and the things from man. And even after this distinction was finally made clear, the tradition of men was still being held to, causing God's instruction to be let go of. This must be reversed in order to carry out the instruction from Jesus contained in Mark chapter 7, verses 8 and 9 that we read earlier what we have seen is not how the church is supposed to operate. In fact, if the church was operating properly, this would have been corrected a long time ago and not have become such a big deal. Some will be judged because of this if there is no repentance. Diligent watchfulness and careful study must be a prominent part of the culture for all of us if we are going to be able to follow the instruction from first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 to be united in the same mind and judgment this is how we keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace i hope this week's podcast has been helpful in shedding some light on the events in question. Your questions and comments are welcome. Email me at james at believe and dot org. That's all for now. Goodbye and God bless.
0: The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul Of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much